Alright, Rabotai, Beruchim and Imsaim. It's good to be back here at the uh, college to see the uh, Talmidim. We haven't seen them in a long time. <clears throat> I hope everybody's doing well. As we don't have an official topic, I chose to say something from the Perashah that we just read that I think is worth your consideration. We just read Perashat Vayetzeh. And if you go to the end of the Perashah, Mamash, the last, the last three Pesukim, the beginning of Perek Lamed Bet. This is after Yaakov Abinu leaves Lavan's home. Yaakov Abinu takes his family. And uh, Lavan is offended. How come you didn't let me... Uh, you didn't let me say goodbye. All of a sudden, Lavan becomes uh, an etiquette, uh, formal guy with social graces. You know, he wants to say goodbye, wants to bless, wants to make a party. Fine. So he catches up with Yaakov. They make a peace treaty of sort. They make a matzeva. You got a sahaduta, galed. They make a seuda. And then the pasuk says vayeshkem. Lavan Baboker, which by the way is a proof to what we say every night when we leave the Bet Midrash, we say the Tefillah of Rabbi Nehonya Ben Hakana. It's a Mishnah. The people are not careful on it, but it's a Mifurash Alachan Shohan Aruch and Siman Kufyud. You're supposed to say this Beracha. When you enter the Midrash, when you leave the Bet Midrash. And one of the things that we say is, Anu mashkimim vehem mashkimim. Anu mashkimim ledevrei Torah, vehem mashkimim ledevarim betrim. And I always wanted to know, how does the Tefillah know that they're mashkimim? Bishlamah, we mashkimim, because we have Zman Kriyat Shema. So therefore we have to be mashkin. You've got to get up before 8.22, otherwise you're going to miss the zman of the Megan Abraham. And you can't get up at 8.21 because you have to make the Tajadam, you have to make the Shahan. <clears throat> and you can't get up at 8.15 either because you have to have your tifidin on, otherwise you may do chicken. So you have to already get up early. We don't, we don't have an option. Jews don't have an option to get up late. But how is the tifidin so sure that also him mashkimim? They don't follow not the Magen Avraham, and I guarantee you not the government of Vilna either. So therefore, who, who says that they get up? So I brought the ayah from this pasuk of Vayashkem Lavan Baboker. Lavan didn't get up in the morning to say Kriyat Shema, I guarantee you that. Lavan, if he gets up early in the morning, it's because he has some, uh, some trick up his sleeve. You know, he's getting up in order to do his, uh, his sheker, v'chazav. So the pasuk comes to tell you, why, why does he have to tell me that he got up early? Tell me he went. Do I care if he got up at 8 o'clock or Nets or Alot HaShahad? The pasuk is coming to give you what is over here. Everybody gets up early. They're getting up early to do their Devarim Betelim and Anu Mashkimim in order to do our, our purpose. That's a He'ara, Stam He'ara. It's a proof. And he blesses them. And he goes and he returns to his place. And I asked a simple question. 
The Torah is a book of instructions. Torah melashon more to instruct, to teach. So every pasuk in the Torah has to have something uh, instructive, a practical lesson. There's no pasuk in the Torah that you can read it and say, well, this doesn't apply here today. No, the Torah is an eternal book. So it's dator le'olamim. It's, it's a religion of the ages. So therefore it has to be relevant every pasuk at all times. So I'm reading this pasuk over here. Vayashub lavanim komo. And Nabam went back to his place. What was the Habamina? That he's going to stay in the Midbar forever? That somebody might have thought that Laban now was going to just live in the desert like a nomad? So the Pasuk has to answer that? No, he didn't. He went back home. And even if, even if you want to tell me that he went home immediately, he didn't stay. Well, what do I need to know this for? How does that make me a better Jew by knowing this fact? By Yashub Laban Komo. So there's a, uh, a beautiful, beautiful Hidush from one of the great rabbis of Spain. It was called the Sror Hamor. Sror Hamor. His name was Rabbi Abraham Sabah. I recommend it, boys. If you want to read a real authentic Perush on the Torah from uh, one of the greats of Spain, do yourself a favor. They just reprinted it. Beautiful prints, easy to read, with all footnotes. Sror Amor. And he was from the Golim of Spain, meaning he was uh, part of the expulsion. And he went to Portugal. And then they kicked him out of Portugal as well. So he's a Gole to the second power. They, 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 they Gole him twice. And he writes his story. Throughout his Perush, he writes his, uh, you know, the story of his life. It's amazing that a rabbi who lived under such dire circumstances can write such a pirush like this. But I guess it's no different than all the other greats that came of that time, the Rishonim, that wrote their commentaries, Harambam, for example, wrote it on the run. So he writes over there, and I'm paraphrasing, we know that you're a product of your environment. The famous mashal is that if you're around good people, so it'll rub off you. And if you're around bad people, it's going to rub off you. And you don't have to do too much. Just be around them. The mashal is if you go to a perfumery. Even if you don't buy anything, you come out smelling good. And if you go to a tannery, even if you don't buy anything, you come out smelling stinky. And that's the same thing when it says, when one connects to a good habura. Just by being in the presence of hakamim, through osmosis, you become a hakam. You become wiser than you are. There's a lot to say about a person's company, the company that he keeps. We all know, and everybody in this room experienced it to a certain degree, I'm sure, that you were in the presence of somebody great. And it makes a roshem on you. It makes an impression. Many years ago, in 1982, I had the privilege to go and pray with Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. Those days he was praying in his apartment on the east side, and they would invite 10 men every day to make the minyan for Rabbi Moshe. So our group was invited. Now we were only with the Rosh Hashiva for, ten, uh, for, for an hour, shaharit. But I cannot tell you the Roshim that it made on us before we went, after we went. It's 40 years later, 
And I still have the image exactly what he did, how he put on his tefillin, how he read Mishnayot in between every aliyah. Uh, his shine, his glow that he had on his face. This is a short experience with a tzaddik, and it leaves a lasting impression. I don't know if any of you ever had the zikut to have a visit to Hacham of Yosef, These were treasured moments that the Rav would give you a, a love tap on your, on your cheek. We would, we would cherish those visits. A long time after the visit was over, we were still uh, feeling the, uh, the benefits. And that's always like that. Now, could you imagine... That's why Dora Midbar is such a great generation. There's no generation greater than Dora Midbar because they shared company with Moshe Rabbeinu. And imagine learning with Moshe Rabbeinu from morning to night every day for 40 years. It's going to make a Roshim on you. That generation, Bechlal, you had Moshe and Aharon and Miriam. And it was great. They're all there. And you're able to experience it. The Gemara says, the Gemara says in Berachot, Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to the Jewish people, What does Hashem want from you anyway? All he wants is uh, just to fear him. So the Gemara says, Why is Yirat Shamayim such a small thing? That Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, ah, What does he want from you anyway? I just fear him. The Gemara said, Why? Moshe is playing down Yirat Shamayim. Yirat Shamayim is a very, very... Great thing to, uh, to attain. And Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, So what does the Gemara answer? In, yes, Moshe, For Moshe, it's an easy thing. And I don't understand the answer of the Gemara. Moshe wasn't talking to himself, he's talking to the people. So even if Yerat Shemaim is something easy for Moshe, that would be good if he was meditating to himself. Then he can say, ah, Moshe, come on, for you it's easy. But he's talking to the people. And to the people, Yerat Shemaim is a daunting task. So what's the shot in the Gemara? When the Gemara says, in the Gabe Moshe Meltazut. So I once heard a beautiful perush from Rabbi Yaakov Hillel, the Mekubal from Yerushalayim, Shalita. Ham Yaakov Hillel. Ham Yaakov said the following. He said, when the Gemara says, in, yes, Legabe Moshe, it doesn't mean to Moshe. Legabe Moshe means to those that are in the surroundings of Moshe. Mishehu Gabav, Legabe Moshe, to those at, that are Legabe Moshe that are in his company, Yerat Shemaim is easy. You know why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu Yerat Shemaim is flowing over. And therefore it's Tofeya Haminat Latfiyah. And therefore if you're in the presence of Moshe Rabbeinu, his Yerat Shemaim is contagious. So therefore, in, yeah. If you hang around Moshe Rabbeinu, you'll get Yirat Shamayim. It'll overflow into you. And that's how it is with all the tzaddikim. So the Srora more writes. And in Lavan's case, he had a private audience with Yaakov Abinu for 20 years. Yaakov Abinu, which is called Bihir Shiba'avot. <coughs> Yaakov Abinu who learned Torah for 77 uninterrupted years. He didn't even sleep in a bed. Yaakov Abinu, whose image is on the Kisei Kavod. We cannot begin to quantify what does it mean, Yaakov Abinu. I once said, his picture's on the Kisei Kavod, his image. 
Sometimes you go to a, a, a rabbi's office, he has pictures on the wall. Dafetz Haim, for example, he had a, only one picture on the wall. He had the picture of the Bala Leshem. There's a great Mekubal called the Leshem, Rabbi Yashem's father. Hafez Haim, he hung the, uh, the, uh, the picture of the Leshem on his wall. Other tzaddikim, you go to their, their offices, they have different pictures of their rabbis. You go to God's office. Who does he hang on his wall? Yaakov Abin. It's incredible. And this great Sadiq Yaakov that's able to fend off a malach, the Samech Mehem, in this week's parasha, he's living with Laban for 20 years. Wouldn't you expect that the same effect that Abraham had on Eliezer, for example, shouldn't Yaakov have an effect on Laban? Eliezer was also not from the best stock. He's Kenani. And before you know it, what does the Torah tell us about Eliezer? Damasek. Not only that he was from Damascus, but the message is Doleu Mashkeh. He drew from the Torah of his rabbi and he gave it to Talmidim. Zaken ve'yoshev b'shivaya. Eliezer was a Rosh Hashiva. He had Talmidim. He disseminated the Torah of Abraham. Not only that, but the Gemara says at a certain point he looked like Abraham. He took on the image of his Rebbe. And there was a Havamina, at least, I mean for a short amount of time, mind you, but there was a Havamina that maybe his daughter would even marry Yitzhak. Now, of course, they're not offering our daughter and your daughter. He was, a, he, he was in the running, the Fahot. It was a Hava Amina. And the Gemara says that the Ezra was one of the few people that entered, got ended alive. He didn't die. And I'm not surprised because he, he worked for Abraham Abinu for at least 70 years. So therefore, in the presence of one of the greatest men that ever lived, certainly... Abraham's greatness is going to rub off. Abraham was able to change a person's life just in one confrontation, in one meeting. Could you imagine living with the man? So my question then is, so Lavan, you're living with Yaakov for 20 years and you have him to yourself. He doesn't have any students with him. He doesn't have any yeshiva with him. He's alone. You would figure that by the time it's all over, Lavan should be like the protege of, uh, of Yaakov Abidu. Like in the end of the Stavraham, I granted it's his father-in-law. But nonetheless, it should have said that, oh, Laban wasn't the same guy. It should be, he should become, uh, you know, at least elevated to a high degree. And says the Sron Amor, what happened? The Pasuk tells us, Vayashov Laban Limkomo. He learned Limkomo is not a geographical place. Limkomo means a philosophical place, which means this is not a, a pasuk that's telling you location. It's giving you a summation of his character. Laban went right back to the same spot where he was. He didn't change. He remained the same devious, crook, evil, you know, a conniver. Shad Limkomo. He didn't get influenced by Yaakov Akihuze, which is amazing. That means you have to make a conscious effort not to get affected. Which means do nothing and osmosis will take over and you'll get, uh, you'll get affected, you'll get influenced. That means Lavan had to not be parv, he had to resist the influence in order to, to not have, uh, it's by the way, we see the other example of that by Esav. 
The Gemara says that Esav compare Esav to Lavan. Esav grew up in the house of Tzadikim and didn't learn from their ways. He remained Esav, which is the same indictment against Esav. But I guess it runs in the family because the Gemara says, you know, when you marry a lady, uh, mother's brothers. So who's Rivka's brother? Lavan. So he acted like his mother's brother. Exactly like the Gemara says. Esav doesn't get influenced by Yitzhak and Rivka, even though he's living by them. So he picked up that, that recessive gene from his uncle Lavan, that he could live with Yaakov Abinu for 20 years, and at the end of the day, Shablim Komo. Zero effect. Same, same bad guy that he was. Now, I know this uh, syndrome. I've seen it. Not by the Lavans, but by, uh, by members of our community. I used to give a class. Still give it. So that's it's the marquee class of the week. People come to hear the dirash. It was many years ago. We were giving it in Ahiezer at the time, in the basement. And many, many hundreds of people would come from all walks of the community. And there was one guy. His name was Avraham. He would come every week and sit in the front row. And I knew he was enjoying it. He was smiling. He was getting it. You see it in his eyes. After he was, and so on. And then after a certain period, he stopped coming. I was shocked. Our first week, maybe he was traveling, maybe he's under the weather, but then I saw that, no, he's not coming anymore. So I, I bumped into him, I said, Abraham, you enjoyed the shiurim? Loved it, Rabbi, loved it. So why'd you stop coming? I have to be honest with you. The shiurim were very effective, and I was starting to change. <laughs> and I'm waiting to, to finish this. And the end... Rabbi, listen, I'm very happy where I am. And I'm not looking to change my friends, change my style, lifestyle, change my... I'm happy where I am. And to go to the shi'ud and listen to it, it's impossible to listen and not react. So therefore, not for me. He went right back to the same place he was. That means he resisted. He's like, I can't let myself hear the truth. Because if I hear the truth, it's going to change me. And uh, I want to change. I want, I want to live the life that I'm, uh, that, I'm, that I'm used to. That's the Lavan syndrome, Rabotai. When your boy comes to the yeshiva, you have to be open-minded. You have to allow the truths that your Rabbanim are going to profess to you to enter. You cannot go in with a mental block that you're just going in for, you know, to get the grades and to pass a test, and then when you leave, you'll do whatever you want. The open-mindedness of a true person must accept Torah with all the effects that Torah has on the person. And it's always for the better, not for the worse. That's what the next pasuk writes, V'yaakov, regarding Yaakov, Halach ledarko. Yaakov is always halach He's always moving. Halach ledarko. Whereas Lavan is static. Yaakov is fluid. Where Lavan is stationary. He's in his place. Yaakov Abinu is always in motion. Yaakov, you learned for 77 years straight. Now what, what, what more can you do? I'm not done yet. 
He still has much more to accomplish. Tzadikim enahim minuha ba'olam azeh. The tzaddik has no minuha in this world, no rest. Because the tzaddik always knows there's another madrigat, there's another level. And Yaakov knows also something else. The Yaakov alach ledarko means what the Gaon Mevilna said. Gaon Mevilna said, and you all heard it in Yeshiva because you guys have been around long enough. He said it in Mishle. I'm paraphrasing. That in Olam if you're not going up, you're going down. The Gaon's rule was that there's no such thing as status. If you know anything about business, they say the same thing. If you're not making money, you're losing money. There's no such thing as, you know, how was your uh, season this year? Flat. No, no such thing as flat. If it's flat, that means you lost money. You didn't make more money than last year, that's the way you look at it. So therefore, in, in Judaism, religion is the same thing. If you're not going up, you're going down. Rabbi Friend, may live and be well, many years ago I heard him say it in his inimitable way. He said that life is a down escalator. That means just stand on a down escalator, do nothing, it's going to pull you down. You have to propel yourself against that tide to move up. Take gravity. There's an automatic gravitational pull. Anything you throw up, the gravity is going to pull it down. There's also a negative spiritual gravity that Olam has. Do nothing, it's going to pull you down. Therefore, you have to resist it. You have to have a, uh, a negative force in order to push it back, just in order to maintain your level. You know, imagine the, there's, a, there's a flight and uh, the, the pilot gets on the PA and says, uh, we reached our cruising altitude of 36,000 feet. I'm going to take off the, uh, the seatbelt sign and I'm going to shut the engines. Shut the engines. <laughs> you need to keep the engines on to maintain 36,000 feet. Shut the engines, start the fall. It's the same thing in Yahadut. Yaakov has to keep on moving. If you leave me one day, the Torah leaves you for two days. So there's no such thing as resting on your laurels or your accomplishments or your achievements. Uh, you have to keep on moving. Now, the greatest of the tzaddikim is they don't only move forward to maintain their level, but they actually gain ground. They also, they move forward, they move ahead. That's the first musar that I see in these prescriptions. So then... I answer my original question. What's the practical lesson? Big Musar. I don't know if you ever heard there was a great rabbi called Rabbi Yehuda Davis. Alava Shalom. Rabbi Yehuda Davis was a Talmud of Rav Isaac Sher, Slobatka. He had a yeshiv in the mountains, uh, upstate, Zichron Meir. Mountaindale, New York. He was a very, very, very um, great Talmud Hacham, to say the least, and he was influential in, you know, being one of the builders of Torah in America. I once heard Rabbi Davis give a speech, a talk, and he said something that surprised us, and it's going to surprise you also until you understand what he meant. He was talking to us, we were in ninth grade in yeshiva. He was the rabbi of my rabbi. Rabbi Hillel Heber is the Rosh Hashiva of Shadet Torah. 
And his Rebbe is Rabbi Davis. So from time to time, he would bring him to the yeshiva to, to speak. I don't know if you ever heard of Rabbi Shlomo Diamond, the Rosh Kolel of, of Deal. Rabbi Diamond's father-in-law is Rabbi Davis. So that's the connection we have with him in the community. Anyway, he comes to the yeshiva, and he says, boys, I want to give you uh, a lesson of life. Okay, what is he going to tell us? He says, don't forget what I'm going to say. Whatever you do, don't be a pickle. Now, at the time that we heard it, we were actually very happy because none of us were intending to be pickles anyway. So therefore we felt, okay, this we could do. You know, no, nobody had any uh, uh, short or long, long-term plans to be a pickle. But what is he talking about? Don't be a pickle. So he went on to explain. He says, what is a pickle? You take a cucumber, you put it in vinegar, you seal it, and it can remain like that for 100 years. You could open it in a hundred years, it'll still be there. It's preserved. It doesn't change. So he was basically saying, don't pickle yourself. Or don't salt yourself. Don't put yourself in a position, and that's the way you are, that's it. And you're not open to change, you're not open to grow. That's Laban. Laban says, I don't care who's living with me. I don't care if you put Yaakov Abina with me. I'm not letting it in. Because I want to do my, uh, my, my things. And I want to get up early also to do that. He gets up early, I get up early. But he didn't change his agenda. Now, of course, we understand why. The Me'idi writes, Ha'emet kaved, lachen nitma'atun nos'av. Me'idi writes, the emet is very heavy. That's why there are very few people that can carry it. Emet is a, it's not a light package. It's not a light uh, cargo. It's heavy. Uh, many people are not interested in it. it it's asking too much uh, to live by these truths. It's too much of an imposition. So therefore, they have to resist all the different positive influences in order they can remain in the position that they are. So that would be my first lesson that I tell the members over here of the yeshiva. Do not fall into the syndrome of Laban. Shouldn't be that, you know, you're the same person that you are. You know, sometimes they say, oh, he didn't change. As It's a compliment. It's another compliment. The only, the only place where it might be a compliment is if you're in your tailor, maybe, if he tells you you didn't change. But besides that, it's not such a compliment if somebody tells you you didn't change. When I got married, for example, 30 years ago, some odd 30 years ago, a yeshiva guy learning in Lakewood, so on. And I told my wife when we were dating, I said, listen, <clears throat> I'm worried that something might happen in our marriage that happens in a lot of marriage, so I want to talk about it now so we prepare for it. She says, what's the matter? What happened? She said, in a lot of marriages, what happens? The husband comes home and he introduces a new practice uh, in the house. And what does the lady say? Oh, you didn't do this, not the way we were. We were married. This is a new thing. You're adding things. This is not the way it was. So, so I'm telling you, I don't know the whole Torah yet. I'm learning. As I learn, we institute. Finish. Which means you have to be willing that if I come home from the kolel and I say, you know what? And don't say, well, you didn't know that. No, I didn't know it. I just learned it now. I'm 23 years old. I don't know the whole Torah. 
there's going to be a lot of new things that are going to be introduced to me that are truth. And if we're going to build our home according to the truth, we have to be willing to adjust. Nothing is, uh, is set in stone. And the Rebbeinson, of course, accepted it. And, that, and that's still to today. You think I know every single halakha and all of Shohan Aruch? I go to the Kodal every single day. I'm dazzled by the Hedushim. I come home, I say, hey, what did you learn today? Okay, it's not going to change our life so much, but we, we learned this over here. <laughs> Fine. But if it is going to change our life so much, so be it. That's, that's, that's the key. Ravan, whatever he knows at 23 years old, that's all he wants to know. Whatever he learned in grade school, I don't want anything else. That's what I'm happy. I'm comfortable with that. No, impossible. Yaakov Alach, the Darko. That's the, um, that's the key. So that's the first idea uh, that I, uh, you know, I present tonight, Rabotai, and I think it's, uh, it's a very good musar. You always have to be moving, you always have to be growing. Now I'd like to make a chidush unrelated, but it's a continuation to the Pesukim. So Yaakov Abinu starts to travel. So he meets up with angels. Mamash angels. Malachi Elohim. Rashi says, who are these Malachi Elohim? Malachim shel Eris Yisrael ba'u nekrato lelavoto la'aretz. It seems that there's angels of Eris Yisrael and there's angels of Chutz la'aretz. I'm not an expert on these uh, rules of territory when it comes to angels, but it seems that yeah, angels also have their, uh, you know, their, their territories, they have their locations, and it seems there's Malache Chutz and there's Malache Eris Yisrael. I think we learned that by the latter dream. When Yaakov has the latter dream, it says, Olim bo. Angels going up and coming down. And if I'm not mistaken, as she says, the Malachim of Chutz La'aris went up and the Malachim of Eretz Israel came down. So it's, a, it's like a changing of the gods. So over here as well, the Torah is coming to say, He was greeted by a new set of angels. The angels of Eretz Israel came to give Yaakov Abinu a uh, VIP escort uh, to, the, uh, to the Holy Land. Side point, uh, gentlemen. Friday night, we say Shalom Aleichem. The Gemara says, when you come on Friday night, there's angels that escort you home from shul, and they give you blessings, and we greet them, Shalom Aleichem, we greet the ministering angels. And then, of course, we're being hospitable, Bo'achem de Shalom, we say Baruch Abba, welcome. And then, uh, who's foolish not to ask the angels for a blessing. So we say, bless us. And we get a blessing every Friday night. And then right after they bless us, see you later. There's the door. And I once asked the question, what, what, what kind of hospitality is that? You're inviting guests over. You didn't even have kiddush yet. You didn't even make a mozi yet. Now I understand the angels don't eat, but you don't have to be so rude right after you answer for the blessing, they'll leave what they want to leave. They're not, they're not, they're, they found your house, correct? So that they figure out to leave. Why do you have to tell them, no, 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 no. We're not waiting for you to leave. You know, have a good night. 
you know, we're going to wait till you leave till we start Kiddush. Thanks for coming. See you next week. Why is it that, why, why the Bezidchim? So I saw different answers. <laughs> yeah, Bezidchim, so now, and then Bezidchim. I don't say Bezidchim. That's not my custom. But your custom, let's say, is to say Bezidchim. How much after Bezidchim do you say Bezidchim? How long after? A second. So that's very nice. You tell the guys, please sit. Okay, now you sat, now get lost. <laughs> so, you know, that's like a sedom. And um, I said, what happened with Say Sayyid Oh, He says, I don't say that. There you I go. Right I like it. Okay. He told me himself. There you go. That's a good rabbi. That, that's a good rabbi. And he probably said it at the end of the meal. At the end of the meal, he probably said, okay, Rabbi Sai, we're going upstairs to sleep. So, you know, thanks for coming. But all, most people don't have that custom of that great rabbi. We do it right away. So... I heard different answers over, over the course of time. One answer I heard was that we know that the conversation on the Shabbat table is not going to be, uh, you know, suitable for uh, angel audiences. So therefore, not to embarrass them, we gracefully tell the Malachim, for your own good, Shalom. you know, you're not going to need to hear all the gossip and all the things that are going to go out at the Shabbat table. You're better off going now, we don't want to offend you. But I saw a beautiful explanation from the Abnezer, based on what we just learned now. The Abnezer says that, just like there's angels of Chutz La'ares and Eres Israel, there's angels that escort a person during the week, the weekday angels, and then there's the Shabbat angels. After all, the Pasuk says, the angels escort us during the week. So what happens on Shabbat is when we come home, we're escorted by the Shabbat angels. And once that happens, we tell the Shabbat angels, Boachem Shalom, welcome. And we turn to the weekday angels, and we tell the weekday angels, Shalom. We're not pardoning the Shabbat angels, but we're bidding the weekday angels farewell temporarily at the Mosei Shabbat. So that's a very good uh, reconciliation to the Minhag. Fine, we continue the Pesukim. So Yaakov sees the angels. So he says, Indeed, this is a camp of God. Very good, boys. He called it camps. Mahanaim being plural, like Enayim, Shinayim, Oznayim, Mahanaim. He called it camps in plural. Why? So that she says, Shte Mahanot, Shul Hutzala Ares, Shabawa Imo Adkan, Vishul Eretz Israel, Shabaw Leklato, because there were two groups and they converged. The Malachim that were escorting him until this point, and the Malachim of Israel joined. <clears throat> so when he saw the two Mahanot, he said, this is nothing short than a Mahanayim, and he renamed the place. Atshitat Rashi. The Ramban over here, which I'm sure you saw, comes and levels an all-out attack on Rashi. And he says to Rashi, what are you talking about? He says, where was Yaakov Abinu at this point of his, in his journey? Ramban says he was at the southeast 
corner outside of Eretz Yisrael. He didn't get to Israel yet. As in this week's Parashat by Yishtach, boys, you're going to see that Yaakov comes to Shechem. That's his point of entry. So at this point, he's at Chutzlaharis. And that man says, where was he? He was journeying through the lands of Ammon and Moab and Edom, which are clearly in Chutzlaharis. So Ramban says, how can the Malachim of Eris Israel come escort Yaakov Abinu? He was in Chutzlaharis. I thought you're telling me that there's territories. And now you tell me that the Malachim of Eris Israel if you want to tell me that they met him at the border, border patrol, and he said, Baruch Abba Yaakov, listen, we're going to help you just cross the border, then we can start talking to you. But you know, we, we can't, uh, we, we, don't, we don't have jurisdiction until you cross the border. And then I understand. But as she doesn't say that. As she says, they were in Chutzla Aris, they came to pick him up, and the two angels converged, the two groups, and he called it Mahanayim. Says the Rabbah, what are you talking about? It's a very strong question. We, we, have, we have no choice, but we'll tell, we have to defend Rashi from this attack. So, I can't tell you everything. Hayen Maharal. Maharal has beautiful reconciliations. I'll just give you one that he says in the Gurariyeh. He says, to defend Rashi... From the Ramban's question, he says as following. When we say, Malachi Eres Israel, it doesn't mean that they can't leave Eres Israel. All it means is that they are the administrators of things that have to do with Eres Israel. It's almost like Secretary of State. Now, a Secretary of State means he can't leave the state? Of course not. Of course he can leave the state. But whenever he leaves the state, his purpose and his mission is to represent and do things to the benefit of the state. Similarly, says the Baal, the angels of Eretz Israel means they're in charge of things relating to Eretz Israel. So therefore... Now there's a big Sadiq coming to Eretz Israel. So this is definitely a Israel-related topic that the angels have to make sure that the Sadiq gets safe, to, safe passage to the Holy Land. So therefore, they went to escort the Sadiq. Doesn't matter where they went. They went to Ammon, Moab. They greet him where they want to greet him. It's their job to make sure that he gets to Israel safely. That's the answer of the Maral. A very easy and a new way of looking at it. It's not the way we always looked at it. We always looked at it at Adkan. Adkan Tom Shabbat. You can't pass this, you know, no trespassing. And now we're saying, no, it's not as uh, 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 rigid as we thought it was. And angels, uh, you know, of Israel, they have a bigger purpose. And therefore, even if it means that they have to leave Eretz Israel, so long as the agenda is Eretz Israel connected, it's fine. But I came to tell you, gentlemen, tonight, the Atam Sofer. And consider yourself lucky if you're here tonight that you could hear this beautiful piece from the Atam Sofer. Hatam, Mim. You got it. You're writing a book? 
אשריך, היא תגיד נוץ. It says in the Gemara, אשרי מי שבא לכאן ותלמודו בידו. In 120 years, fortunate is the man that comes to God and his Talmud is in his hand. I once heard from Chabab Adya Yosef, Talmud is not in your hand, Talmud is in your brain. It should say, Talmudo b'moho. He says, no, fortunate is the guy that comes with a notebook. Talmudo b'yado, he wrote all the notes. That's the, the, the value. It's all documented. So Atap Sufi says like this. You have to know, Rabotai, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised Abraham Abinu Eretz Yisrael. And he also promised him the nations. I'm going to show you. You open right to it. If you look at Perek Tetvav Pesukim Yutet and Chaf and Chaf Aleph. The Torah lists the nations that God promised Abraham. Count them. Etakeni, Etakenizi, Etakadmoni, Etachiti, Etapirizi, Etarfaim, Etaemorai, Etakenani, Etagirgashi, Etaibusi. Very important, boys. Don't make the mistake that think it's the seven nations. It's not the seven, it's the ten. God promised Abraham that he's going to conquer not the seven nations that inhabit Israel, the ten nations. We all know, however, that in the times of Yeshua, they only ousted and conquered seven. Three of the ten are still outstanding. Which three of those? It's the first three that are listed. Etakeni, Etakenizi, Rashi HaKadosh writes, he tells us, Esen umot yesh kan. Velo natan lahem ela shiv'a goyim. We only got seven. Vashlosha, who are they? Edom, Moab, Ve'amon, Ve'hem, Keni. Keni, zi, kadmoni, Atidim lihiyot Yerushal le'atid. Mashiach. When Mashiach comes, that's when we annex the lands of Ammon, Moab, and Edom. That means Israel is going to be considerably larger. Now, albeit these lands today are outside of Eretz Israel, but when Mashiach comes, those three are going to be conquered and they're going to be part of Israel proper. Are we clear, boys? Side point. So seven we have, three we don't. With this I once explained, if you look at the, the period, period of the year where we mourn the destruction of Yerushalayim. So we read three haftarot. Those haftarot are referred to as shloshad de pur'anuta. The three haftarot that herald the bad news and the catastrophes that took place in Eretz Israel. And then after we finish the three haftarot of Puranut, we read Shav de Nehamata, seven haftarot of consolation. And I explained, 
the seven of consolation represent the seven nations that we conquered already. And the three of Puranut represent the three nations that we have not yet conquered. And therefore, it's a result of the Galut that we're still in. So that's the Gimel the Puranuta. But the Gimel of Puranut is going to one day turn into a massive holiday. And the Mikubalim write that the three Shabbatot of Ben Amatzelim, each Shabbat represents one of the outstanding nations that we haven't conquered yet. And Shabbat uh, Hazon, which is the Shabbat right before the Shabbat, represents Edom, which is the most significant one. That's why it's a great Shabbat, that Shabbat in potential. Good. Says Hatam Sofer. Yeah, you're right. Maybe Laban didn't get influenced from Yaakov, but you know who did get influenced from Yaakov? His children. His children absorbed all the Kiddushah of Yaakov Abinu. And now they start to travel. And they get to the lands of Ammon and Moab and Edom. And all of a sudden, says the Atam Sufid that the children of Yaakov were on such a madrega that they were on a level already that's worthy of the messianic time. So much so that those lands, when they were traveling through it, already started to absorb and started to activate Kiddushat Eris Israel. The Kiddushah of Bnei Yaakov activated a messianic moment. And therefore, he says, the angels, they said, wait, what's going on? You're right, we can't leave Eris Israel, but we feel that Eris Israel just became bigger. And they looked, they said, whoa, the tzaddikim are... Uh, are, are, are trampling, they're, they're treading on this land. We already sense the Kiddushah, it says here already. So says Atam Zofer, they didn't leave Eretz Israel. They were entering a futuristic place that will be Eretz Israel, but already it had the, the flavor of it and the smell, not Ba'atid Ba'hovet, but in the present. Understand how we're learning from Atam Zofer? With this he explains... That Yaakov Abinu said, whoa, these angels, do you realize that they left Eris Israel? And they're in Ammon and Moab and Edom. There's only one, one way to explain this. And he didn't want to explain it like the Maharal, I guess, Yaakov Abinu. So Yaakov says, there's only one way to explain it. How do these angels leave? Unless the angels already feel that there's already Kedushan Israel in this place now. And that can only be that my sons must be on a very high spiritual level, that they're able already to bring down this futuristic Kiddushah. So this is how he learns the Pesukim. So he says, when Yaakov Abinu saw the angels, Yaakov Ra'am, Mahane Elohim Zeh. We learned Mahane Elohim Zeh what? He was talking to the angels. This is a camp of God. Says says, no, he turned to his children. And he said, wow, if the angels of Israel have come to this spot, that means you, my children, are a Mahane Elohim. You are a camp of God. That's a, a, a praise to his children. You lived in Lamaz for 20 years and you're on such a madriga that you have traveled to a place that is not Kadosh yet, Kedushat Eretz Israel, but 
you have entered it, and the kedusha already is starting to come through, come forth. Enough that the angels hold that they can visit it. Indeed, Yaakov turned to his children and said, "Rabotai, Mahane Elohim Zeh." Now, I just brought a remez, uh, the cherry on the cake for the Hatam Sofer, not that he needs it. But I said, if you look at the word Zeh, Mahane Elohim Zeh, the numerical value of Zeh is 12, which is connected to Shevatim. So therefore, that's a remah, he wasn't referring to the angels. Now, I know, boys, Benjamin wasn't born yet. But they knew that Benjamin was going to be born. And anyway, Dina was there, so that's the 12. The point is, the point is, then we may read the Pasuk Makomahu. so he names the place Mahanayim. Maybe we could say, the two Mahanot, what are the two Mahanot? One, the Mahane of the Malachim, and one, his Mahane, Mahane Yehudi. Mahane Yaakov Abinu, the children, that's the Mahanaim. Look at my children, the Malachim already have come to pay them homage. They've come to show them that they're on such a madriga. Last point, the boy's side. You know, there's a rule in Book of Bereshit. You must, you must, Know it and you must apply it. As long as you're reading the book of Bereshit, you must use the rule of Ma'aseh Avot Banim. The episodes that happened to Avotenu Akedoshim become the template of Jewish history. What they experienced, Avraham Yitzhak Yaakov, in a microcosm, would eventually manifest itself in a macro. Our history belongs to them. The origins of our history begins in Ma'aseh Avot. That's what, pay very close attention. Whatever they did, you always have to ask yourself two questions. First, what did they do? And then you have to say, when did it come out in the, uh, in the chromosomes, in the genes? You know, when, did we, when did we experience it in our history? Their private history becomes our general history. Now, by, by means of uh, implication, we may say that, and whatever is not written in Bereshit will not happen to us. If, the, if we don't have a ma'aseh avot on it, then you're not going to have a siman labanim. Fair to say? So I asked a simple question. I understand that Yeshua conquered the seven nations. Very simple. There's a ma'aseh avot on that. God told Abraham, go to Eretz Yisrael and walk the land, north, south, east, west, and conquer the land and, and, and inherit the land. And the seven nations lived in the land. So if Abraham Abinu became the, uh, uh, the, uh, 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 the landlord, let's say, of Eretz Yisrael, he got the deed from God. So then what's going to happen by us? And if Yeshua went in. But where's the ma'aseh avot that we're going to get the three in Hutzla'aris? If you don't find the ma'aseh avot that those three lands came to us from Hutzla, we're never going to get it. Based on what we just said now, boys, you know where the ma'aseh avot is. In this parasha, when the angels left Eretz Yisrael and they came to Eretz Amon and Moab and Edom, why are you coming at Hutzla'aris? 
That's the Ma'aseh Avot. Yaakov Abinu was able to bring Malachim of Eretz Israel and have them stand on that spot and it's as if they're announcing this will have a deen of Eretz Israel one day. Beautiful. Now let's continue back to Eretz Israel. Therefore, the Malachim Eretz Israel that come out to greet Yaakov is tremendous ramifications for us. Nihamtanu, Nihamtanu, we're very, very consoled. That's Shabbat Nahamu we just got. That we know that in the future, those three countries, those three nations are going to be under Eretz Israel's borders and attached to the borders. Why? When did it happen? It happened when the Malachi of Eretz came to that location. And Yaakov said, What are you doing here? He says, I don't know, but we feel like the Kiddushah is here already. You raise your children very good. I don't know. They already aroused the messianic moment. Don't worry, Yaakov. This will be a sale one day. Not today, but one day. But it's okay. You've activated that ma'asevot. You've created the gene. And therefore it'll come out in the, uh, in the children. And let this be a lesson, Rabotai. Uh, it's three pesukim. Pesukim, by the end of the perashah, nobody thinks that these are the highlight pesukim of perashah, but he say that's for sure. You know, but okay, he went back to his place, angels, Mahanaim, it's very, uh, you know, clearly not the most dramatic part. When you talk about Yetzir, it's the marriage of Yaakov, it is uh, the, his wives, the birth of the Shevatim, the, the, the switcheroo with Nahan and Le'ah, the uh, Lavan and all his uh, uh, shenanigans. Let's be Pesukim, okay, it's a nice uh, ending, it's a soft landing. No, based on what we're learning tonight, Tabotai, we learn much, much Musa. Number one, don't be a pickle. That's Musa number one. You have to keep on moving. You have to always be in motion. Don't let the negative gravity bring you down. Life is a down escalator. And number two, the greatness of what Lavan was not able to get from Yaakov, his children did. That the angels came to greet them. We hope that the three weeks of Ben Amitzarim that we call them, that represent the three um, uninhabited lands yet, uh, the uncashed uh, uh, in lands that we haven't yet uh, uh, brought into our possession, those three weeks of Puranut will ultimately turn into three weeks of Na'amah. And then we're going to have ten weeks of Na'amah connected to ten nations. At that moment, Prezat Hashem will have the Geulah, as it says, Ubal Sion Goel, Amen, Amen. Okay, Rabbi.